When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. This episode is brought to you by Carvana. They'll drive you happy. Carvana has purchased over a million cars from happy customers by giving them an offer within minutes. And they can do the same for you. Carvana will give you a real offer for your car within minutes. Then they'll come to pick up your car and pay you on the spot. So to get a real offer on your vehicle in minutes, download the app or visit Carvana.com. Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Release Show here on the internet. This is your host, as always, John DiGorio. And I'm just going to be talking about Glow Season 3. This is going to be a non-spoiler review. And Daredevil Season 3 non-spoiler review. And The Punisher's non-spoiler review for Season 2. Yes, I'm well aware of the fact that these two shows have been on for a while. And I'm just now getting a chance to review them. But remember this. A movie reviewer nor a TV reviewer is never late. Nor is he early. He raps just as his means to. And I'm also going to be talking about this little topic that one of my friends actually sent in to me for want, wanting me to do. His name is Dee Murray, and not only that, but he's also a little... He has a little show called FTO, which is Flipping Tables Over Nerd Talk. If you haven't che- seen checked out his show, I recommend it. I'm going to post it inside the uh, description below for you guys to go ahead and check him out because his show is really cool too. But tonight, I want to just go ahead and focus on this other topic that he wanted me to talk about, which is how has film changed in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, and has it changed drastically? I'm actually going to talk about that and everything because I think that's an interesting topic. Not only that, but one of my other friends also wanted me to talk about it too. But Dee wanted me to talk about it a little bit more in depth too. So, you know, I feel like this is a good topic to be talking about. And, you know, I think that this is going to be one of those topics that I think everybody's going to find fascinating. So, without further ado, let me go ahead and get into this review for Glow, Season 3. Now, this show opens up right where Season 2 ends. Where these girls are on the bus, they're going over to Vegas to start their own show. And, you know, whenever I first thought about this, I thought that I was going to be seeing more wrestling. I thought that that was what the center was going to be about. Because of the fact that they're going into this showroom for the very first time to perform... For people that are going to go see Glow. To see these women of wrestling in the 80s. And I was totally wrong. And I'm glad I was wrong. Because of the fact that these women are dealing with so much stuff. You have Debbie that actually left her son with her ex-husband. And she's having to struggle with flying back and forth from her home life. Over back over to Las Vegas. And she's struggling with that. Then you also have... Another character that's actually struggling with her own sexuality, including Bash, too, as well. But I don't want to just focus on Bash right now or anything like that. I'm going to get to him in a minute. But this is just me focusing on the women of wrestling because this is what it's based off. This is the where the whole entire meat and potatoes actually is at and everything. And, you know, I liked, I love the first two seasons, but this, to me, is the more relatable season and everything, too. Because here's the thing. You have these set of girls... One of the, some of them are even questioning their own sexuality. They're questioning what they want to do later on in life besides wrestling. They're questioning everything in general that normal women would actually question. And that's what I love about this is the fact that, you know, even relationships, they're going through relationships, they're going through other stuff. 
And it's like I said, it's relatable. The writing is really good in it. Even with Sam and Ruth, I'm going to get to that in a minute too, which is the director and the actress from the first two seasons and everything. As a matter of fact, I've been wanting them to hook up for a while. So, anyways, where this whole entire thing grows at, for me, I'm just going to paint the picture for a minute because of the fact that, yes, this might be a little bit of a spoiler, but not really. I just want to paint this picture for a minute. These girls are on vacation. They're on a break from doing glow because they need their time off. They need their time time for their bodies to actually rest because of the damage that it can actually do. And that's actually another thing that's, that I want to talk about too. Yeah, I know I'll focus this a little bit on the second season where you're talking about the body and how much it actually affects the body with doing these moves over and over again every night. But it's just more so now whenever you go into season three because they're doing it at night after night after night. But anyways, they're in this desert. They're camping out. And, you know, you have one girl that's questioning her own sexuality, while this other girl named Jenny, who's actually a person from China, and she actually explains what she went through with her family being snuck into the country. And, you know, and for her to be on TV and jumping out of a fortune cookie meant a lot to her. Matter of fact, that's actually her name is is Fortune Cookie. And I like that about that. It gives you some culture from her background and stuff like that. There's even this Jewish character, too, where she came from, where her father actually has to have a basement to where he has to, he's thinking that the, that they have to hide again because of the stuff that happened in Germany and everything. And I thought that was something interesting, too, where you have two cultures that are basically, are basically different. And they have a way of actually have being having similar similarities to what they went through. I thought that was really interesting. And then you also have Shayla the Wolf, where she winds up questioning who she really is and everything as well. And then she goes through a whole entire transformation of who she is. And pretty much the wolf, forget the wolf, Shayla is who she is and everything. She identifies as herself. It's a this this writing and everything for her was beautiful in my honest opinion. Uh, another thing too, I want to actually touch base on too. You know, everybody goes through identifying uh, identifying their own sexuality in some way, and form, and that's what I liked about it was the fact that the you have this character going, "Am I gay or am I not gay? Do I like girls? Do I not like girls? Is there something wrong with me?" questioning her own insecurities and then later on finding out what she is. I'm not going to give us away the spoiler for that. But I thought that was really cool. Then you also have this other girl that you would think that she might be a lesbian, but really she's not. She's actually straight. And nobody thinks that maybe she might want to actually have some company, have a boyfriend or whatever. And she's pretty much this go-to, a place that people go to just to have sex. And then they go on and do their business and that's it. And that's sad that's really sad that they have no respect for this girl at all but you know i actually like that twist to it because you don't expect that or anything like that at least in my understanding from different writing and stuff like that but anyways let me go on ahead and get into this whole entire thing with debbie that i was talking about she's struggling with the fact that her ex-husband is spending all her all his time with her son and she's away in Vegas 
And she's trying to find a way to balance both where she can travel to see her son and also do the wrestling too. But it's just not working out. So next thing you know it, she winds up flying her son over into Vegas and taking care of her son, trying to be a mother. And that's what I like about it too. That's what I like about Debbie is the fact that she's trying to be a mother. She's trying to balance everything out. She's trying to be the mother that she wants to be for her son. And now she has a way to do it without missing anything. And that's what I like about that. But then she's also struggling with anorexia. And so and that's what, another thing, too, that I like was the fa- not the fact that she has anorexia. That's bad. But what I like about the fact is how real this is. Because this is a real issue even today with anorexia and everything else and people going through it. And, you know, to have a show like this and showing what she's going through. Because here's the thing. In Vegas, if you gain a little bit of weight and you're a showgirl and... Or if you're pregnant, they kick you out and they don't care. Because even though they said, oh, we're going to put you back up for the next show, that's not necessarily going to happen. No, they're going to pretend that they're going to put you back, but they're not really going to put you back. They're just going to put you back on the back burner permanently. And they're going to keep on making you try out over and over and over again. And you're never going to get that part again because of the fact that you're pregnant and you have a kid. And that's another thing, too. They don't want you to have a kid or anything. They want you to stay trimmed. They want you to stay fit. That's the whole point. And that's also why Debbie's also questioning her weight and everything. That's also why she's going through anorexia and everything else, too, because of the fact that she's looking at these women and she's comparing to herself and wondering if she should go on ahead and be like them. And, you know, that actually gives her some, to me, it gives them a reality boost of who these characters are. And who she is. And that's what I like about the fact that, you know, they're not afraid to take risks. They're not afraid to actually show that anorexia is actually a problem in today's society as well. So if you're having trouble or whatever, you can actually relate to this character a little bit, in my honest opinion. I think this is actually a great way to actually put in there and showing that there's an issue with anorexia and people that are battling this thing all the time. And it's a sad thing that people are battling this, but it's actually the truth. But, you know, like I said, I think this is good. this is a good way for them to actually show what women go through in Vegas and, the, and stuff like that. Then I want to actually talk about the damage to the body of doing this thing every single night with the wrestling. For example, you actually have Welfare Queen. And every single night she goes into the ring. Her body's hurting her. She's aching. She's in pain. Her back, yes, it could be, tele- yes, it must have been his telegraph, but that doesn't mean the fact that they can't get hurt or their body don't go through a lot of stuff because just because it's telegraphed, it does not mean that it's not real because anything can go wrong at any given moment and to keep going and going and going without a break, your body's going to wear down, your body's going to hurt and everything. And it shows the damage that it's been done with, with her character, just wearing her out. Then I'm also going to talk about Ruth and Sam. The chemistry between Ruth and Sam was always my favorite thing. And here's why. I felt like the chemistry worked with them. And there's always this balance of what Ruth wants to do. Where she's trying to balance where she doesn't want to sleep with Sam or anything like that. She wants to keep that part professional Even though she has feelings for him, she wants to go ahead and bury that and just be professional. Sam, on the other hand, 
He's got a bad cocaine habit, drinking, and also smokes. But he loves Ruth and everything. And a matter of fact, it also shows, too, what he's going through with his health problems. And later on, he winds up changing some of his habits that he's done for the first two seasons. And I thought that was really neat. And then then he's also developing a relationship with his daughter from the first two seasons. And he's actually getting closer to his daughter. And I actually like that because of the fact that everybody wants a relationship with their father. Everybody wants to actually have that loving daughter relationship. And, you know, she can actually relate to her father because of the fact that she's also a screenwriter and also wants a movie or TV show being done and wants her father to direct the show or movie. And, you know, I like that aspect where they actually have these two characters that are related to each other and have so much in common. I really enjoyed that aspect. Then, now I'm going to get into something else. And this is going to be something that is that actually touched me and that related to me was Cherry and Keith. Keith wants Cherry to have a baby and wants to have a family. When Cherry saw the showgirls, when they were working out, same thing when Debbie saw the showgirls and they, she was working out with them and saw how skinny they were. And also, too, the diets that they go through to stay fit, stay skinny, and they can't get pregnant. not supposed to get pregnant or anything like that either. Sherry starts questioning her own self and as well. And she's like, I'm going to have a baby. I'm not going to have this fit body anymore. They might actually get rid of me. And therefore, even though I don't think Sam would actually do that, I don't think that Bash would do that, even though he's the producer for the show. But her own anxieties, her own insecurities is making her question if she's ever going to get rid of because of the fact that she want because Keith wants to have a baby and it's actually going to put more stress on that situation and I feel bad for Keith though as well because here's the thing Keith has been wanting to have a baby for a while and you know every single time whenever he wants to have a baby something happens something with Sherry winds up happening And she doesn't want to have a baby. She just doesn't want to have a baby or anything like that. And, you know, it just breaks my heart because of the fact that I can actually relate to that situation. Because I actually wanted to actually get married. I wanted to actually have kids. I wanted all of that. And just recently it was stripped away from me. And to see that in the dialogue, that what I was going through... Is now on from Keith and Sherry's perspective. Yeah, they're married, but is the same context, in my opinion, on what I was going through at that given time. And I'm like, wow, that is just mind blowing for me and everything. And, you know, it helped me a little bit as well. And, you know, that that to me really was a touching moment on that part of the show for me, because, like I said, I can I sympathize with Keith a lot in that situation because I'm a guy. I actually sympathized with him a lot. And I also can sympathize. I can see it from Sherry's side too and everything too, with her insecurities and everything as well. So it's not one sided. I just see it from both angles and everything. I just see if I just see it from both sides. And then I'm also going to talk about Rhonda and Bash and everything with their relationship, their relationship changes. 
and everything. For example, Bash got married to Rhonda, and Rhonda wants to sleep with him, wants to have sex with him and everything, and it's like he's newly married. At the very beginning, he's having sex. And then later through the season, he's having less sex with her. And she's wondering if there's anything wrong with her, what she's doing wrong, what does he like, what doesn't he not like. Is it him or is it me? And then next thing you know, she winds up hiring a pimp to try and make him jealous of, and try and get him, get her to get him to sleep with her. Instead, something very strange actually happens. They wind up having a threesome with the pimp, but the, instead of him getting, like I said, it backfires. And next thing you know, what he's kissing the pimp and everything else, and he's questioning his own insecurities, his own sexuality, and wondering if there's anything wrong with him. And then he also blames Vegas, thinking that might be the problem, which I highly doubt it. But we're going to have to find out later on in the next season on what's going on with that. But as of right now, Rhonda and Bash seem to be all right. But that could change later on when you get down to season four. Then with Jaina Davis, let me just tell you something. Seeing Jaina Davis again on TV and everything is just fantastic. I'm going to be honest with you, for her age and everything, she looks nice for her age. She, she's just a beautiful woman, woman in general. And she plays the manager of the hotel and everything. And she knows how to manage the hotel. And she wants to be everybody's friend. Everybody's family in that hotel. And, you know, just to see her back in action again, acting. It brings a smile to my face. Because I actually love Jaina Davis as an actress. And seeing her there was just fantastic. Like I said, it's awesome just seeing Jaina Davis. And there's even a scene where it shows she's like a Vegas showgirl. It shows her whole entire body and everything. Her body looks really fit and everything else. She looks really good for her age and everything. And I liked her in Beetlejuice as well. I liked her in other movies too. I just happen to remember Beetlejuice because that was my childhood. But that's just how I think of her and everything too. But with that being said, I'm going to go on ahead... And get into the Daredevil Season 3 review. Now, what I like about Daredevil Season 3 compared to Season 2. Yes, I like Frank Castle. Yes, I like The Punisher. But to me, the third season was the strongest out of the both seasons. I don't know if that was because of the fact that this was the end. Well, well, they didn't know that this whole entire thing was going to come to an end. But, you know, I thought this was the strongest season. And this is the last season that we're after we're going to see these actors and actresses again. And, you know, I really liked what they did with these characters. Because you have Fisk that's actually corrupting with the FBI. And you're wondering, too, like Matt is, how is he corrupting these people? How are they getting, how is he getting his whole entire house and everything too, and having the security work for him. How how is he doing that? And then you also have the uh, actor who plays Bullseye, and I thought the guy who plays Bullseye did an excellent job. You actually get to see some background of him, of what he went through as a kid, and whenever he first killed some animals and stuff like that, and how messed up his mind is, and stuff like that. And you know, I actually like that aspect too, where you actually see a little bit of a background of each character. And they always did a good job of setting up their characters in these shows. It gives them layers. It gives them things to do. 
And the violence actually meets up meets with what the character is doing. It's not just there for fill factor, and that's what I like too. And then, too, I also like the background that they did with one one of the other characters too, as well. As a matter of fact, if you actually read the Man Without Fear, you can actually go in. This is straight out of the comics and everything. In my honest opinion, and. Here's why. Because it's like page for page what Matt went through. When you see the taxi cab and everything going into the water, that actually happened on the comic in the graphic novel as well. And, you know, I actually can say that this was the best season because of the fact that they actually used tips of the hat to the man without fear. And then the whole entire nun situation too where he's still... Everything that happened with him and stuff like that, too. Still being hurt and hiding out and everything else. And, you know, like I said, that's actually a pretty neat thing. And the, another thing, too, is I want to talk about Karen Page. Karen Page went through a lot th- this pa- that season, too. Because of the fact that it goes into her background with alcoholism, drugs, and everything else. And you're wondering how she became the who she is and everything later on. And once you get there, you find out that she killed, like, I'm going to go into a little bit of ter- um, spoiler territory here. But she winds up killing somebody that was really close to her in a car accident. And because she was, number one, with a drug, uh, drug habit, alcoholism, and also with the wrong guy that she fell in love with. And so it happens to be... Whenever she was on her way home with this other guy that is really close to her and everything, they get into a car accident and that person dies. And then next thing you know, it the fa- uh, the father of her just completely abandons her and everything because he's ashamed of her. And next thing you know, it she winds up getting sober and that's how we knew know her from from now. This is that's how we wind up knowing how Karen is. And I actually like the transformation of that. I like the layers that it brought her. I actually like that, in my honest opinion. Um, I have nothing to, bad to say about the Karen Tate. Uh, not Karen Tate. <laughs> uh, Karen Page character. I have nothing I have nothing but good things to say about, about Karen. Because of the fact that, you know, if she went through all this to get to where she is now, which is working for a newspaper newspaper article um and everything else i I thought that was really cool then like i said there's also that thing with fist corrupting the fbi that was good and another thing too i want to actually quote frank castle from it you're just one bad day from being me and there's always this confrontation between foggy and matt foggy still wants to try and take fist down legally Matt had enough. He was pushed to this limit to where he wants to go ahead, put Fist down, put him down for good. He's getting tired of him corrupting the government, getting tired of him paying off these cops and everything else. Even with him being on house arrest and everything else, he's still getting away with stuff. And that's what I like about it is the fact there's that sense of mystery about how he's doing it to everybody. And once you get there and you actually find out how he's doing it, you're like, oh my God, how... How is Matt going to take this guy down? <clears throat> and anyways, Matt is right there where I have to put this guy down. If I don't put this guy down now, I'm he's going to walk away again. And Foggy's, no, let me go on ahead and try it my way. So 
he tries it his way, and some things happen, and it doesn't go the way that he thinks it's going to go, then Matt winds up turning into Frank Castle all of a sudden, wanting to take him down, wanting to kill him. And then you're wondering, is he going to kill Fisk, or is he going to let him go? And now, I'm not going to tell you how that part ends, but I'm just going to tell you, that was just one bad day from being Frank. That's the way I look at it. It's just one bad day away from being how Frank is. And he drew he drew that line. He was up close and personal. He was about he's gonna he wanted to draw that line. He didn't care. His friends were in jeopardy. He kept on getting away with murder and everything. He also framed Matt, and he got tired of it. Matt just got enough of it to where he was pushed into a corner to the point where he had to fight back. And that's what I like about that season was the fact that he was pushed to the max, and that's what I liked. Seeing Matt angry and actually being pushed to the max to where he wants to take down Fisk. So, I'm going to go on ahead and get into Season 2 of The Punisher. And I just want to point this out. I loved him in Season 2. I thought John Bernthal always kills it at, no pun intended, as Frank Castle. I thought that the stunt was really good. I thought the action was really good. The plot line was really right on point. Then with Jake Saws and everything, Jake Saws is one of my favorite Marvel villains when it comes down to the Punisher universe. And, you know, I wanted this big, huge battle between Billy and him, and I got that. I got that a lot in the <clears throat> first season. And I'm and not only that, but Billy is even more dangerous now than he was whenever he was in season one. And let me tell you why. You see, he's actually seeing a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist is actually has the hots for the guy. She has something messed up upstairs. <laughs> Anyways, um, she winds up taking care of him and, her, and stuff like that. And, you know, I just don't understand that. She was, he's a complete psychopath. But anyways... I liked I liked what they were doing with this whole entire thing. Even Frank winds up getting set up as well, where he got framed by Billy and everybody else in New York. And next thing you know, he's on the run. And then this preacher dude is also after this other girl that he met in the bar, which is also this teenage girl. And he puts him himself on the line to save this girl. Don't know her from Adam. And that's what I like about the Punisher. He put his life on the line to try and save this girl. And he's also battling his own things with Billy. And he's also trying to protect this girl at the same time. Once again, it's all about balance. And about how he's going to take... How he's supposed to face off against this preacher guy. And also how he's supposed to go on ahead and face Billy again. And then... You know, some stuff winds up happening to where... The uh, female agent winds up going after Billy... And stuff like that, too, because she wants revenge on Billy for the things that he did to her um, and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I was kind of, to me, the ending for The Punisher was kind of anticlimactic, in my honest opinion. I did not like how the ending and how they did Billy and Frank at the end of it. Once it all came together, usually I'm expecting a lot of action and stuff like that with it. But I did not want the Asian to get in there and actually half half-ass did the job that Frank was supposed to do and everything because Frank needed that justice. He needed that peace and everything. 
And I understand that she wanted her have her piece too and everything. I get that. But to me, I wanted a little bit more. I wanted a little bit more satisfaction for Frank's part. And that is and and that. And I just didn't feel like that had a better ending than what Daredevil Season 3 was. I thought Daredevil Season 3's ending was a lot better than the Punisher Season 2's ending. And, you know, I just felt like it was better received on my end on that. So, now I'm going to go on ahead and talk about 80s, 90s, and 2000 movie films. And how they changed over the years and how they changed drastically. My answer to that is, they have changed. As for drastically, I'm going to have to say yes and no. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. I feel like movies today have actually gone a little bit better than the movies of the 80s and 90s and of the early 2000s. And here's why. Number one, in the 80s, you had cheesy dialogue. Same thing with the 90s. You also have cheesy dialogue as well. And it didn't really flow well. During that time, it flowed. But now if you look at the films now, there's a lot more better dialogue, a lot more Feel a lot more create creativeness when it comes down to character development than when you did when in the nine in the eighties and nineties, because let's just face it, sometimes they just winded up putting the character in there without any background to who they are, and they're just going based off the name rather than who who they actually are, what their background is, and everything else, and that's something that I really didn't notice until recently about how well today's film is actually doing because of the fact that they're actually putting in the background of the certain characters and letting you know, hey, look, this is where this guy came from. This is who he is. And this is how my, this is going to how, how it's going to end because of how he is. And he's going to the most dangerous person on the planet because he thinks in his mind that he is doing the right thing. In the 80s or 90s, we didn't really have that. We have a one-dimensional character that was about, let's say, for instance... Die Hard movies and stuff like that were very one-dimensional when it came to the vil- the villains, which is understandable because it's an action flick. You're not really expecting a lot, but even then, you can actually have layers to some of the characters. Even, you know, what I'm saying because I feel like too, you could actually have villains and even heroes for that minute uh, matter too, where you can actually have layers to them to where you can actually understand where these where the hero comes from, how it's gonna ha- how it's all gonna tie in together. And we didn't really get that from the 80s or 90s or the early 2000s, in my opinion. We, all, we were all slapped in this whole entire thing where, okay, this is your hero. This is where it came from. A little bit of where it came from. And cheesy dialogue. Cheesy dialogue, action, more cheesy dialogue, action, and then climax of fighting. And that's also the same thing. But I will have to say this. When it comes to older films, I feel like the fighting in the mo- in those movies were a little bit longer whenever they're trying to take down the villain. Because that's what I want. I wanted to see maybe a 10-15 minute long scene. The only um, movie that actually got it was John the John Wick movies. Where you can actually have that whole entire thing where he's taking down a villain for a long period of time. And X amount of villains for that matter. And that's what I liked about that was the fact that we actually got that. And that, and some other movies and everything today, you don't really get that. You, they're hard, they're hurry up to do the climax. And then sometimes it's anticlimactic and there's nothing there once it's released. And you're like, that's it? I was expecting more from how this person was supposed to die or how this person was supposed to fall in with, love with this person or 
how this movie was supposed to be scary and it didn't deliver. Sometimes, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes we actually have high expectations. And when we have those high expectations and they don't meet, we're, de- we're brought down to a medium to where we're like, okay, this is not the way I was picturing this. This is not the way I was wanting this to go down. But, you know, I also go by this. Don't ever try and set up your own theories on how you think that a movie is going to go. Otherwise, you're going to be disappointed. You're best off at separating yourself at the door, going and see the movie for what it is, and then you won't be as disappointed at that disappointed with the movie. At least that's how I view the movies that I want to see that I have high up on a pedestal. Because I'm I'm guilty of that as well. Because there's a couple of times where I had like low expectations and I was just blown out of the water. But anyways, let me go on ahead and focus back on this. But you know, I felt like the movies have changed dramatically because of the fact, a little bit dramatic, uh, drastically. And it's for a good thing, too, because now we actually have lesbian gay characters, original gay and lesbian characters coming out and everything to where people can actually, uh, the LGBT can actually relate to these characters and also, too, where they can actually have more jobs and everything as well for LGBT communities. So I actually like that aspect and everything too because you actually have a little bit more of a wide community with that whole entire thing and where people can actually relate to these characters, to a certain character. And to me, I think that's actually pretty cool because let's just face it, 80s and 90s, you didn't really have a lot of LGBT um, community people or anything like that, actors and actor actresses playing roles. You might actually have gay actors playing a straight role, but you never actually have a gay actor playing a gay part. And to actually see the transformation from that, that's actually pretty cool, in my honest opinion. And then you also have another thing that has actually changed dramatically as well is the fact that, too, is the fact that you actually see a little bit more female directors now. Ever since uh, Patty Jenkins directed Wonder Woman, you actually see a lot more people... uh, female directors wanting to be taken serious for 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 the first time yes you need a little bit more work in progress with uh getting more female directors but for the most part i think they can do a lot more they can do a lot better with finding female directors again because female i I always say this females can actually do a better job than a male can and everything i don't believe that anybody can do a anybody's better than the other i believe male and female people can do the jobs the same way and everything. I don't believe that one male species is better than the other or female species is better than the other. I think that everybody can do just as good a job as somebody else can with whatever they're ta- given. And with the right script, with the uh, with the actors and actresses that they get, are given, I feel like that they can actually do what is required them to do. But that's just my opinion. This is the way I'm viewing it. And stuff like that. Because, like I said, it's just going off of my opinions. And my opinions alone on how things have changed. And I've been noticing things have changed as every single time that I actually uh, type out a news article. For that fact. Too. And the storytelling is a lot better. The structure is a lot better at, with today's movies. Even TV shows. Like I mentioned, like Daredevil, Glow, The Punisher. <clears throat> for that matter as well. The... 
the quality in writing has gotten better. I just feel like as human beings, we should be better when it comes down to actually casting LGBT character, uh, characters and actresses and actresses. I just feel like that they need to do a better job at doing things the right way instead of doing things back in the 70s and 80s and 90s and also the cheesy 90s dialogue and 80s dialogue. It just doesn't flow well for today. <clears throat> now, don't get me wrong. Fast and the Furious and stuff like that, that's cheesy dialogue. That's popcorn fill time. You already know what you're getting. You're sold on what you're getting. So I understand that completely. But movies that we think that are going to be taken seriously and then all of a sudden they turn into like a popcorn stuff your face with popcorn type of thing, that's another drastic change too. But anyways... These are just my thoughts. These are just my opinions. I feel like that I covered everything that I needed to cover for tonight. But I'd like to actually get to know you guys. I'd actually like to get to know what you guys think of my Glow review, my Daredevil Season 3 review, the Punisher review. Heck, even the 70s and 80s and 90s uh, film choice thing that I did too, where has it it changed drastically? Tell me what you guys think because I'm kind of curious about that topic. I'm curious about what you guys think. Matter of fact, I might even talk about this again because I had such a good time talking about this subject. I might even go even deeper than I did this time because I think I can actually go a lot deeper than what I did. So tell me what you guys think. Um, I'm actually going to be get, putting a link below uh, where you can actually put in your voicemail to me. And actually, I can actually listen to that. So go on ahead. Leave me a voicemail. Tell me what you guys think. And I'm also going to post this up on the page. I'm also going to view the page link to D's page. I'm going to do all that in the description. So tell me what you guys think. And until next time, bye-bye.